Hello and welcome to Heroes Unmasked, staff stories from Leeds Teaching Hospital's NHS Trust with me, Caroline Verdon. Here's a question for you. What do champion fencers, award-winning sheep farmers and professional rugby players have to do with Leeds Teaching Hospitals? Answer? They all work for the hospitals. This series goes behind the scenes to meet directors, doctors, support staff and everyone in between to find out who the people behind the masks really are. Hello, welcome to episode five. Thank you so much uh, for all of the reviews and the ratings and the follows that you've been giving us. Um, Please do keep them coming. Now, this week, we are chatting to Dr. Paul Jones. He is the Chief Digital Information Officer for the Trust. Um, His background is in IT. Uh, He's got a BSc and a PhD in computer science. He's a fellow of the British Computer Society. He's a chartered IT professional. But what a lot of people don't realise about him is that he's also a bit of a twitcher. In May, myself and three friends, we do a big day and see how many different species of birds we can see in one day in Yorkshire. And our record's 116 species of birds in one day. I don't think I would have thought there even were that many to be seen. Um, what do you count? You know, are they only wild birds or are you including, I don't know, a quick visit to the wildlife park or something like that? Oh, no, no, no. no they're all wild. They're all wild. They're all native. Yeah, or they're all flying free in the UK. But we start very early. We start at four in the morning on Ilkley Moor. Uh, or Emsley more actually. And then it's just a case of getting to lots of different habitats through the day. And so we finish usually about nine o'clock at night over at Bridlington by the seaside. I love the commitment to this with this whole day. Um, what what started this passion? Is this something that you've had for a long time? I've been birdwatching since I was a lad. I was in a member of the Young Ornithologist Club, which is part of the Royal Society of Protection of Birds. When I was a lad just growing up and... Um, just kind of looking out the window more than anything. Um, And then when I got a little bit older, bought myself a telescope and binoculars and a bit of an excuse to get away from the family for a few hours. You know, that was nice. And when I came up, uh, moved up north about 16, 17 years ago, by coincidence, some other friends we made were also really keen bird watchers. So we'd started going out to a few reserves and, you know, occasionally going out. And then we just said, you know, this idea of a big day, is a bird watching thing and we just wondered yeah, could we do a big day in yorkshire and so we gave it a go i think the first year we did it we didn't get to 100 but then we learned what we'd done wrong we'd spent too long walking around and not enough time looking frankly uh, and so we, we built it from there and then we, we did this one year where we got to 116 species and none of those were special it wasn't that we were finding lots of vagrants it's just we we pretty much saw nearly every different species of bird that happens to be in Yorkshire. And when you say you recognise them, are you like thumbing through a book, desperately trying to find a bird with a white wingtip? Or is it something that you just know what bird it is? Yeah, you instantly recognise them. We've been doing it this long, you do just know. And we hear them as well. So as long as we can identify it, we count it. So as four of us go, and three of us have to see or hear it and agree the identification to count it on our list for the day. That's our rule. Love a good rule. Yeah. <laughs> but there are rules. Yeah. So. And how long is this list of rules? Th- three out of the four of us have to see it or, or agree the identification. And that's it. We meet really early. I say we start set off about four in the morning, just as it gets light. And we finish when it's dark. 
and hope to see an owl or two on the way home. We never have them, but we always hope to see an owl or two on the way home. And have you got any birds on the list that are elusive that you've not managed to see yet? Oh, there's, there's quite a few um, that, that I haven't seen. So, so I don't do it as much now, but I used to do more twitching. So you can, you can go onto a website and it will show you a map of all the birds seen in Britain today. And so you can decide to go and hunt for that particular bird. And, and there's one bird that I've been, I think, three times to see and it's always gone by the time I get there, which is a very small way to call the Temming Stint. So it's a vagrant, it, it flies in, it stays for a few days, and it flies away again. And I've never seen one, but I've been three times to try and find it. That's the only bird I've, I've been multiple times and not seen. There are other birds I've been multiple times and eventually managed to, to see it. But it's not a zoo, and that's fine. And you go, and they've flown away because, that, you know what, that's, that's what birds do. And... Um, but I mean, you know, one of the rarest birds I've, in the UK I've ever seen, I saw in Keithley. So it's not always the most exotic place to go. There's a, a bird called an American robin, which actually looks more like a blackbird, but with a red breast. And, and they don't migrate. They stay in America. But one turned up in Keithley. They get blown across. Yeah, they get blown across and it turned up on, on a housing estate in Keithley. That must be about 15 years ago. It was fairly soon after I moved up here. And um, yeah, so there you go. You end up and go and see an American robin. And I think there's only been something like 30 of them ever in the UK. I have to say, I wouldn't really classify myself as a bird person. Um, as a kid, apparently my first word was jay and I was obsessed with seeing jays on, on the grass in the garden. But I don't really know a lot about birds at all. But we went on holiday to Africa and did a few safaris and obviously everyone talks about seeing the big five and you know the lion and the rhino and the rest of them but actually the most impressive things that I saw whilst we were over there were the birds like the colours the gigantic weird shapes of the beak they were incredible. But I think if you look at birds in the UK we have that here in my garden in uh, you know in Yorkshire we have goldfinches I get, and the, a group of goldfinches is called a charm, a charm of goldfinches. Every morning when I come down for breakfast on the feeders, they're the most incredible bird with little red and gold and black and amazing. You mentioned jays, incredibly colourful. If you see a hawfinch, you see a bullfinch in the wild. You know, we have in the UK birds that if you saw them on a David Attenborough programme, you'd be going, wow, look at that. But we have Lots of those. We have lots of what we refer to as little brown jobs as well in the UK, <laughs> LBJs. But but we also have incredibly looking birds. Yeah, a greater spotted woodpecker. It's an incredible thing to see. Black, spotted white, bits of red. And obviously a huge bill that bangs against a tree. And if you look out of the windows here at the Trust, you see a red kite fly over. I've never really thought about it like that, but I suppose you're right. I shall have to go around with my eyes a little bit more open, I think, from here on in. And do you think that, you know, when you talk about doing your big day and having these goals of the specific number of birds that you want to see and beating the last record, and do you think having goals for you is something that drives you? Because it seems to me like there's a connection between that and the work that you do on a daily basis. Uh Yes, I suppose so. That there, yeah, a, a bit of a 
a bit of a focus, a bit of a target to aim at. And just with the industry that I moved into and the type of work that I do, having a delivery, having a, an aim, having a focus, getting stuff done, that's really what we're about in, in the digital scene. So as the Chief Digital Information Officer for the Trust, what does your day-to-day role involve? So day-to-day role, there's, there's over 400 people in, in the digital team here at the Trust. And I see my job as creating an environment for them all to be able to do the best that they can do. It's not about me. It's about can we get 400 people working really effectively? Because if you can, you can move mountains. And if you look at where the trust was two years ago when I joined, we had an awful lot to do around some of the basics that that were in place and, and no real plans for how they were being tackled. And in that two years, yeah, I am so proud of what's been delivered by this team. We've got Enterprise Imaging is now on a supported platform. We did the most amazing job of getting the patient administration system up to the latest version. So we're now on supported software for one of our key systems. We've brought the service desk in-house so we can start understanding what's what's driving the kind of people's concerns and issues across the trust. We've done so much with, with PPM Plus to support COVID. We're building a data platform. I know everybody's got challenges with, with their end user devices, their desktops and their laptops. You know, we've got nine million pound in the plan for the next two years for sorting that out. So we're doing lots of planning now to make sure that we can execute that because that's a big project and it's going to touch pretty much everybody in the trust. And just having these building blocks in place, it, it just you know gives me the confidence we're going to be able to move forward, we're going to be able to create the foundations, we're going to be able to you know have the trust moving forward because digital is getting more and more important. And we've just fallen a bit behind. We've not got those foundations in place, but we've got that strategy, we've got that plan, and we're executing on that. And I just think we're making great progress. And how much has your role and your team's role been affected by, you know, by the last two years, really? During COVID, the the medical records team completely changed from a a team that moved paper around the hospital to a team that was a fundamental part of how we digitise healthcare. So if you go down there now, you go into the Clarendon Library, there are no papers anymore. It's all gone. And there are people sat there prepping for scanning and scanning being done and digitising the, uh, the paper that's still generated in the trust. But we don't have a big library anymore. And I imagine that must make a huge difference for diagnosing because surely now with all of that information just there, it means that medical staff will be able to, I don't know, for example, look back at a scan that was done 10 years ago and compare it to one that was done 10 days ago and be able to see those differences really quickly without having to try and find a piece of paper somewhere in the hospital because the information's just there. It is. It's at their fingertips. And we've got a new service that we're rolling out, which is PPM Plus on people's own mobile phones or their own devices. So you'll soon be able to look at the patient record that you want to see on your own mobile device. And that will only work inside the hospital. So as soon as you walk away from the hospital, it will stop working. It needs to be sat on our network to work. So it's some really clever technology. And uh, we're, we're trying to get in two or three areas at the moment. And we're hoping to roll that out over the next six months or so. It's such a huge undertaking to to do all of that with 
no prior knowledge, if you know what I mean, in that COVID just hit and suddenly you're all having to pivot and change focus and just make sure that things happen. It seems to me like there's been a lot of background work and a lot of people behind the scenes running around just to try and make sure that everything can run as smoothly as possible. I mean, I think one of the things that really stands out for me in the last few years was when we decided to stand up the Nightingale Hospital in in Harrogate, which thankfully wasn't used for for COVID patients. We never got to that level, but was used for, for lots of diagnostic tests over there. But, you know, some of the people I had to pull out of their day jobs and say, I know this isn't what you really do, but we need to try and work out how on earth we manage patients over there when the leads patients, but with the links into the Harrogate Hospital and the Harrogate PAS, but they're still leads patients. And how do those medical records and you know the, some of the people involved in that were, were so far out of their comfort zone, but absolutely committed to, to doing what was right for for us, for the trust, for, for patients and and doing what they could to support it. And, you know, and it's interesting how some people in, in the digital team respond. So as a trust, we gave everybody an extra day's holiday as a, as a thank you for, for all of the work that people had done. And some of the people in the digital team came to me and said, we'd like to give our day's holiday to one of the frontline nursing staff because we've been sat here and they've been sat there, you know, facing the patients and, and I don't feel we've deserved it. I said to, well, you know, I, I, I appreciate what you're saying, but actually what you've done as well as a team has been tremendous and you've been under huge pressure and please enjoy your day's holiday. And by the way, I've got no idea on earth how we'd start allocating out spare days holiday, but you know, it, it, it was a, you know, a little bit humbling. It's kind of like, yeah, you you have been working very hard, and you you've been trying to. And yeah, it's not the same as you know one of my CCIOs is is a critical care nurse, uh, and just hearing the stories from the critical care wards um, and the challenges that they've been facing, it's not the same when you're in the support functions. Um, but it has been difficult. It has been challenging, um, and we have had a lot of pressure put on us to support those those changes. So. The, the PPM Plus team have had to make all sorts of changes to respond to, to COVID, putting alerts onto onto the whiteboards. And, and our reporting I&I team, information and insight team, you know, some of the unsung heroes really, because suddenly they had to do seven-day reporting. So a team that probably wasn't really staffed up even to fully do the five days is suddenly having to report seven days a week. The reports were coming in thick and fast. They were changes were coming in and these were all going back up to uh, NHS England so we had to keep on top of it and that team just kept going um, and so you know some some fantastic you know, fantastic response from from so many people in so many different ways and so for you how does your role at the NHS compare to other roles that you've had before because you know you've worked for some multinational companies in the private sector how, how does the NHS compare? I mean, I, I do think the NHS is different. So I've, I've had many roles in, in my career, and I previously worked in the NHS, but I've never had a role with as much purpose as the role that I have today working for, for, the, for the trust. And I'm sure that's you know, reflected in, in many other people feel the same, that there is such a significant purpose to what we're doing that it does 
change the way you behave and the ch- change the way that you respond to, to challenges. But having said that, these challenges do keep going on, don't they? I mean, it's, and we do need to recognise that, that you know people need a break and we need to get right back to more business as usual, so that when the next thing comes along, people have got the elasticity to stretch again and, and help again. We can't just keep stretching staff in, in, in any of our areas. And I think we recognise that as an executive team and we're trying to do what we can to to bring things back into more of a business as usual scenario. That's Dr Paul Jones, Chief Digital Information Officer for the Trust, talking about just how he finds his natural balance in this world that is so tech heavy. Uh, Now, if you enjoyed this week's episode, please do rate and review. Uh, You can also click follow, which means that you will not miss out on next week's episode where we speak to Tracy Campy. Now, she is the bereavement midwife for the Trust. She describes her role as the midwife that nobody ever wants to meet. Um, And what's interesting about her and her career is that she had a complete about turn. She was doing something completely different. And it wasn't until she hit her 40s that she completely retrained to become a midwife. And we'll hear more about her story on next week's episode, which is out on Tuesday. Heroes Unmasked is an under-the-mast audio production.